0: Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced an emissions cap for Canada's oil and gas sector as he looks for the country to get to net zero by 2050. But what does that mean for Alberta's oil patch as big players plan their own transition to net zero and does it set up another political battle between Alberta and Ottawa? I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10.3. Calgary Herald business columnist Chris Varco joins me to discuss the industry response to the announcement, how smaller players are handling the news, and how hydrogen could play into Alberta's plans to reduce emissions. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Chris, it's been a couple of weeks now since Justin Trudeau made his big announcement at the COP26 climate conference in Scotland. He said that Canada's oil patch is going to have to get to net zero by 2050. Was that the long and the
1: short of it, or did he offer any more details to the crowd in Scotland? Well, what the prime minister really did was reannounce something that he had talked about on the campaign trail back in the summer, which was that the Canadian oil and gas industry is going to receive an emissions cap. Mm-hmm. And uh, that cap will be set in five-year increments beginning in 2025. But of course, the devil is in the detail, which is what will the cap number be? What will it apply to? Uh, what will the penalties be if you go over? And none of that is known. What the prime minister is going to do is ask a net zero advisory committee to look into the issue and come back with some recommendations to the government. But we don't really know any of those key answers. And so right now, all this essentially is is just a re-announcement of what he said in the summer.
0: Okay. So we're going to have a cap on emissions, the cap I assume is going to go down every few years as we get closer to the year when Canada is supposed to be net zero. What does that mean for the oil patch? Does that mean that you're going to see a cut in production? Does that mean that you're going to see an investment in new technologies like carbon capture utilization and storage? Does it mean abandoning oil altogether and leaving it in the ground? Like, you know, it's Canada's biggest export for a country that is dependent on drilling and producing and exporting oil
1: and gas. What does this all mean? Well, I think sort of a, all of the above might be an appropriate response or maybe most of the above uh, would be the appropriate response. I think what... This really is going to boil down to is what is the actual number of emissions for the industry and what will the penalties be if they don't meet it? There is a concern that if the number is too low and the industry can't meet it, does it mean that somebody might have to shut in production or not produce new barrels that they were planning on producing? That then gets into a very Interesting jurisdictional question, which is the provinces have jurisdiction under the constitution to regulate the production of their natural resources. Mm-hmm. The federal government through the Supreme Court decision last year on the carbon tax can put in emission standards as part of a national climate policy, but they can't actually put in policies that would technically stop production from going ahead, or at least that would be a legal question. So Premier Jason Kenney was very clear last week that If the announcement on the cap is really about leaving Alberta oil and gas in the ground, then they're going to, quote, fight that with every tool at our disposal. In other words, they're going to end up going to court on this. And this obviously is not the only time that we've had it. What I found really interesting, though, is the response from the oil and gas sector, which is we've now got five or six of the largest oil sands producers in the country all working together a collaboration to get to net zero. And when I spoke with the head of Synovus Energy, Alex Porbe last week, he is a member of this Pathways Alliance, as as they call themselves, to net zero. He's really not that fussed about the cap on emissions. They think that they can get there if they are enabled to make major technological investments in things like carbon capture, utilization, and storage. But of course, what they're also looking for are some rather large incentives and assistance from the federal government in order to make that happen. So a lot of this debate is going to end up very quickly back in the federal government's lap on what level of subsidies or incentives are they prepared to provide as part of a planned federal tax incentive for CCUS projects in Alberta and across Canada. And what kind of money are we talking here? Like the oil patch is asking for money from the feds to help move this all along. What kind of money do they want? Well, the government of Alberta has said that they are looking for more than $30 billion of incentives over 10 years. So more than $3 billion a year. So this is big money. Mm -hmm. And the CCUS projects are all multi-billion dollar investments by the company. So these are massive scales of investment that are going to be required from both the public and the private sector.
0: You talk about the six biggest oil players in Alberta all kind of working together to get to net zero emissions by 2050. They seem to be kind of on board with this, though they would ask for some investment from the federal government to help them out. I I understand they're also suggesting that it would be a lot easier to do if there's a global price on carbon, so Canada isn't going it alone. And we can talk about that in a second, but those are the big companies. What about the smaller producers or these other companies that have a stake in the oil patch in Alberta who may not have the resources
1: of a Synovus or ConocoPhillips or companies like that. You know, that's a very interesting question. Many people just sort of assume that the oil and gas industry is like one big monolith. But in fact, I think most people who you know are in the sector or near the sector or have watched the sector for a while realize that it is really many different players with many different sizes and many different things that they try to do. You've got oil producers, you've got oil sands producers, you've got natural gas producers, you've got the oil field service companies. So they all have their own needs and, uh, I guess, desires and aspirations. So what we have right now is the six oil sands producers who are on this Pathways to Net Zero group, and they are looking at these major investments. You've got the small and mid-sized producers who I think would also be looking for being able to, I guess, participate in CCUS projects on a much smaller scale, but a lot will depend on how the government structures the incentives, how the government structures, I guess, access to sort of the geological poor space where they could store emissions. There's a lot of different interests at play here. I think the small and intermediate producers are probably rightfully concerned that A, they're not really being included in the conversation, or at least they're saying they haven't been consulted as it relates to the net Zero cap that the federal government is moving towards. They don't feel like they've been involved, but they also want to be able to participate in you know uh, some of these programs that will allow them to reduce emissions. So the federal government and the province are going to have to walk a fine line to make sure that they're listening to all sides of the industry. As mentioned, the
0: big six, as it were, the the head of Sonovus was talking about the need for a global price on carbon to make this more feasible. Yep. What is the concern in the oil industry if Canada sets these caps and this measure to get the oil emissions to net zero by 2050 when other countries
1: like the US and China aren't doing it. Yeah, I mean, that is a really key question for them. So just to take a step back, Canada has now committed to reduce methane emissions by 75% in the oil and gas industry, 75% cut by 2030, which is much greater than what is being agreed to by other countries, including the United States. Canada has a national price on carbon, which is right now is going to go from $40 a ton up to $170 a ton by the end of this decade. United States doesn't have any price like that then you've got this emissions cap coming in place so there's obviously a competitiveness concern that is at play here Somebody in the oil and gas industry described it to me like this, if you're an oil producer down in southern Saskatchewan, you're going to be producing from exactly the same sort of formation that an oil producer on the opposite side of the border in the United States is going to be producing from in the back end formation. So if you've got an investment dollar and you're a company operating on both sides of the border, you're going to go to where you can make the best return. So the competitiveness aspect is going to have to be a part of this conversation is what the oil and gas industry and the groups here are saying. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs
0: shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions—that's Wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com/slash Wonder.
1: Families have a
0: lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone, four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y Y.com. com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose,
1: treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: Where does this conversation go next? Does it go back to the political level? Like the oil industry has kind of said, well, this is what we need. And the government of Alberta says, well, this is what we probably need. And it goes back to the feds. Do we next see a back and forth between the prime minister's office and the premier's office or discussions between Ottawa and the provincial government on where things go, or do we still have to wait
1: on the federal government fleshing out all the details? I think there's sort of two or three things I'd be looking for. The first one is the federal government is wrapping up its consultations on a tax credit that it promised back in the spring budget for carbon capture, utilization and storage projects. So the details on that are going to be really critical. Is it going to include things like enhanced oil recovery projects, They've indicated initially that it was not going to be. I think the industry and the province are pushing for it to be included. So people will be watching for that first off. The advisory panel that we talked about earlier, the net zero advisory panel, which will come up with details on how to get to net zero. People will be waiting for that. And then there's going to be the inevitable discussions between the industry and the federal government, the federal government and the provincial government. So I think all of this is going to be going on sort of simultaneously over the next 12 to 18 months.
0: Looking at the politics of this, the provincial government, you know, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney facing some flagging popularity numbers at home. You have him, you know, pushing for a discussion on equalization. You have him complaining about who Justin Trudeau appointed as environment minister and now potentially a fight over oil sands emissions. Is this good fodder for him to shore up? his political base or is this just opening up another fight on another plane that he he doesn't necessarily have the bandwidth for right now?
1: That's a really interesting question. I suspect that they need the federal government's help when it comes to things like CCUS tax investment credits. I mean, the province and the federal government in many ways need to be aligned on this because there's no way that the federal government's going to be able to get to its net zero goal without the province, without the industry. Mm-hmm. And conversely, the province and the industry need the federal government to provide them sort of the financial assistance to get where they need to go. So they have to work together to a certain degree. But I also believe that this has a great potential to be yet another chapter in the energy battles between the Trudeau government and the Kennedy government. And we've seen that play out sort of consistency over the last 24 months. So I would say stay tuned to see where the CCUS tax credit discussion goes. If it doesn't go well, I expect to see a lot of battling, a lot of fighting going on between the two levels of government. Mm
0: -hmm. And I mean, Alberta's not exactly doing nothing when it comes to trying to lower emissions. I know that the provincial government just announced... What was it? 126 million last week in emission reductions projects funded by our own heavy emitters kind of program. Like what is the province doing currently to try and at least move the needle?
1: Yeah, so as you pointed out last week, the province announced that they are going to roll out, I think it's $176 million in provincial and federal funding for 16 emissions reduction projects. Some of them are pretty innovative and they involve a number of different industries, such as Canadian Pacific Railway, testing uh, hydrogen-powered locomotives. There's also some oil sands and oil patch uh, work being done in there as well. So that's going on. The other thing to watch is the environment minister, Nixon, has talked about the fact that in the next few months, he's going to be releasing province's updated emissions and climate program. So I think a lot of people will be waiting to see, are there actual any targets in there? Will they adopt the net zero standard? If they don't, what actions are they prepared to take? I think there will be a lot of people waiting to see what that document says.
0: And obviously you know, the discussion about how Alberta can diversify its economy as maybe demand for oil goes down, as we try and limit our emissions, we look to other technologies. Uh, There was a big announcement relating to hydrogen in Alberta. What can you tell me about Alberta's hydrogen roadmap?
1: Well, uh, Associate Natural Gas Minister Dale Nelly late last week, released the province's hydrogen roadmap, which talks about sort of a number of ways that they can sort of harness this emerging sector. And they really believe that there's a bunch of potential here, a massive amount of potential for Alberta to be a leading player in the hydrogen game. They see by the year 2030 that they could attract more than $30 billion in capital investment for new hydrogen-related projects, they could create tens of thousands of jobs in construction, and they could also reduce emissions in the province by about 5% or 14 megatons if they can sort of get the opportunity right. The question is, you know, they've got to put in place the policies that will allow this to happen. They can see growth taking place in things like the transportation, heavy haul industry using hydrogen, in home heating and commercial heating and power generation and storage and industrial applications. So hydrogen is expected to be an emerging player in global energy demand. I think one of the uh, reports I read said that by 2050, a hydrogen could make up 24% of all energy demand in the world. Of course, a lot of that's going to depend on technology. A lot of it is going to depend on actually getting the cost down to be competitive with other sources of energy. But there is an opportunity for Alberta. We already are a very large producer of hydrogen. We're the largest in Canada. And if we can figure out our way to develop this industry, we could be a large export player as well. And I think that's really key here in this discussion.
0: You know, you talk about the ability of hydrogen to reduce emissions, but we're still talking about producing hydrogen using fossil fuels. Are there concerns that it could become a new environmental bugbear for some, even as we're trying to move away from the oil sands and oil production and things like that? Are there environmental concerns with hydrogen that could put bumps in the roadmap?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is sort of going to be the next looming battle here. Um, right now, Alberta has expertise to uh, use natural gas to create hydrogen for industrial processes. If you want to capture the emissions, you can use CCUS to create what they call so-called blue hydrogen, which is you know sort of a lower carbon uh, emissions coming from the from the process. But green hydrogen is where you're producing the hydrogen from water in a process which is powered by renewable or low carbon electricity that is obviously going to be favored in the decarbonization push but the costs are a lot greater and it's probably going to take a while for industry and for the scale of the industry to drive those costs down so the question is do you create blue hydrogen or do you go right to green hydrogen i suspect the province is going to favor at least initially going more to blue hydrogen but the minister Nally he was very clear in his news conference and giving a speech last week that they are agnostic to the color of hydrogen, as long as it's clean hydrogen, and they're going to leave it up to industry to decide the color of the hydrogen.
0: There's been a lot of talk in Alberta about the desire to be able to get our oil products to market. You know, TMX is still being built, is not finished yet. Line three just opened. But the big fight that I still see on the go is the line five pipeline and we have a new natural resources minister, the former environment minister, Jonathan Wilkinson. Are there any positive signs that,
1: you know, Alberta and Canada might see that go our way? I think it's still very much up in the air, to be really honest with you. In the line five dispute, you've got Michigan and Michigan's governor who want to shut that line down. The Canadian government, the provincial governments along the route are saying that this is an essential line To get the oil into Ontario and into Quebec, which has got to run through Michigan. And right now it's up to the Biden administration and discussions between the Biden administration and the federal government on sort of where this goes next. There are reports down in the United States right now that the White House is trying to decide where they're going to land on this issue. One of the issues that the Biden administration is going to have to factor in is the fact that they're already facing a lot of heat in the United States for rising pump prices for gasoline. So do they want to take on a fight where propane prices are going up because the Line 5 is shut down? But I think everyone's watching to see where this plays out, but we don't really know until the White House and the U.S. administration sort of weigh in on where they're leaning on this issue. And all told, when you look at the Line 5 issue, the emissions cap, all of these other
0: kind of broad energy topics, you know, you spoke with the natural resources minister recently, I believe. What did he say about, you know, his working relationship with the province of Alberta and with the industry in general and how he plans to tackle some of these big, naughty issues?
1: Well, Minister Wilkinson, who was the former Minister of of Climate Change and Environment, is now the Natural Resources Minister. So Jonathan Wilkinson understands the file pretty well. He knows the players. He says he has a good working relationship with some of the major CEOs. And in fact, that they are saying sort of the same thing. It'll be interesting because when he was the Minister of Environment, he was really responsible for much of the architecture of the climate policies that the federal government is now putting in place, which are going to impact the natural resources sector. Now that he's the minister in charge of natural resources, he's really going to have to implement those policies that he's put in place. So it'll be an interesting dynamic to see whether he can pull that off and how much cohesion he can have with the industry or whether this is going to lead to fights with the Kenny government and the oil sands players and the conventional oil and gas industry. It's going to be a real trick.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's a fascinating, broad discussion. Lots of moving parts at play. Always appreciate when you come on and break it down for us. Chris, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Ten Three is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Chris Varco. More from him at CalgaryHerald.com. I'm Dave Breakenridge. Thanks for listening.